0: Thanks for tuning in to the Ecom Growth Leaders Podcast. This show is intended to highlight marketing and conversion techniques taught by today's leaders in the ecom world. I'll be interviewing the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good. I'm your host, Samir al founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. If you enjoy anything from today's episode, I highly recommend checking out FetchFunnel.com and sign up for our email newsletter where I promise to only send you content you can learn from and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs, let's dig into another amazing story about a unique brand crushing it and learn from their success and learnings. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of Ecom Growth Leaders. I have Janice Thomas here with me from an amazing brand called Look Fabulous Forever. Janice, thank you so much for joining today.
1: Thank you for having me, Samir. I really appreciate it.
0: Super excited to talk about the brand. Um, Would love to just kind of start off by you telling our audience more about Look Fabulous Forever and and what you sell and what the brand is all about.
1: So Look Fabulous Forever is a direct consumer um, beauty brand. We sell makeup and skincare for older women but generally in the beauty industry older women is anyone over about 30 but our audience are predominantly in their 60s 70s and even 80s um that they're post-menopausal and they have very different needs from their skincare makeup than mainstream audiences do so our founder trisha Cusden, started the brand eight years ago and she essentially said that if those products weren't out there for her then she was going to formulate them herself design them all, manufactured them all, set up our own website, her own YouTube channel, all of those things. She is the most incredible w- woman. She is 74 now and still very heavily involved in the business every day.
0: Love it. Love it. So what is your role at Look Fabulous Forever?
1: So I am the e-commerce and marketing director, and that means that I lead both marketing from a technology kind of marketing, point of view, as well as our e-commerce platform, merchandising, those kind of things, as well as our kind of traditional marketing efforts, uh, predominantly digital being a D2C brand.
0: And you have a very impressive resume. So I'm, I'm sort of curious, how did you get into it? And, you know, what, what brought you to look fabulous forever? And and yeah, just for other marketers out there looking to either make a switch or continue in a very uh, interesting and, and awesome path like you've taken?
1: Yeah, so my career has been very diverse, as you say, I spent a long time in media and entertainment, particularly, you know, developing one of the streaming first streaming platforms, even before Netflix was doing streaming, um, a lot of time in um, subscription, which then led to me going to watch for Birchbox, because essentially Birchbox found they could teach a subscription person about beauty, but it was harder to teach a beauty person about subscription. Um, so from there I've been much more an ecom specialist particularly scale up um, is my superpower that you know I'm not really into that kind of startup you know kind of early stage do you have product market fit but once you've got product market fit that's my my thing that I will accelerate and grow your business and that's the stuff that I I know well I hope <laughs>
0: that's a great superpower to have <laughs> So I'm curious how you define success at Look Fabulous Forever and how is it measured?
1: Yeah, so for us, it's really that balance between growth and profitability that yes, we want to grow rapidly, but we're not necessarily kind of looking to take on right now, like a massive amount of investment. It's like, well, let's do that self-funded growth. How do we, how do, we do that and accelerate at a at a point where we are kind of at least breaking even and kind of go as fast as we can at that point. So yeah, it's about revenue growth, but it's also about profitability as well.
0: Got it. Um, great metrics to be going after. Of course, most important for most. Um, do you feel like there's other like super important metrics that you're you know paying close attention to, you know, as far as, yeah, as far as your, yeah, what you're doing with digital or even just internally, you know, as as the company is growing?
1: Yeah. So like personally, I have like four like key metrics, which are revenue and profitability, but conversion rate and new customer revenue. And more broadly within the business, we have essentially we'll call it four pillars of growth, which are around conversion rate optimization, reaching new customers, developing new products, and of expanding the skill set of the team kind of growing the team but not necessarily in terms of headcount. much more in terms of skills and ability and you know kind of really that um continuous improvement mindset and culture
0: and so i'm curious kind of along those lines too because i know you're paying super close to conversion rate and would love to talk about that more in a few but i'm curious as you're paying close attention to that do you need to pay close attention to lifetime value as well? Or is, or is it just you've got such a great target demographic that once, they're, once they <laughs> test try the product, they love it so much that they sort of continue with it? Or what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so we certainly have a very loyal customer base because our product is unique. And when our customers kind of discover us, it's a joyful moment of, oh my God, I feel seen and I belong and all, <laughs> all of those things. But I think for us... lifetime value is almost separate from conversion rates like recognizing what are the factors that drive lifetime value so for example our customers who buy both skincare and makeup from us their lifetime value is about twice that of customers who only buy makeup from us so getting makeup customers to buy their first skincare purchase is a key lifetime value trigger for example so it's understanding what drives lifetime value is often around product activation, category activation, and replenishment. So interesting.
0: So then, do you, is there one side of that that you are always trying to get a first-time customer to buy um, the makeup or the or the skincare, and as more of a lead-in? type of product or, or, you know, I know you, you push packages as well, like your skincare essentials and and things like that.
1: Yeah. It's very difficult to get first time customers to buy skincare that, that it's much easier to tell the makeup story. The makeup story is, is immediately obvious. You can watch a YouTube video and you can understand how our blusher works. Like for example, our blusher is one of our key and if you wear a traditional powder blush, as you get older it sits in the wrinkles in your skin and it's not very flattering but if you use a cream blush um older skin is really absorbent so what happens is you put it on in the morning you look in the mirror and you look absolutely fantastic and then at lunchtime it's disappeared and you're as pale as a ghost and so our blusher formula, it goes on as a cream so it doesn't sit in your wrinkles, but then it sits on your skin as a powder so it doesn't get absorbed, so it maintains that vibrancy. So it's much easier to tell those kind of stories about our makeup products and then take people on a journey to recognizing that we know what we're talking about and this is why this is the difference our skincare makes. But that's something that you're gonna see much more over time that you're gonna be using it for a few weeks or a few months before you say, oh, wow, this is having a real difference to my skin.
0: Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Plus, you're doing a lot of really interesting things with like you've got shop by tone where you can allow people to go after, you know, look shot by their different skin tones. You've got your amazing color quiz, which, yeah, allow. I mean, it sort of speaks for itself. Um, and then you're spending a lot of time on, on education as well. It sounds like where you've got the super successful YouTube channel, you're forming communities, you're doing all of these amazing things. Um, yeah, I mean, how much, how important of a role does sort of all of those things play? Uh, I know it feels a little obvious, but just uh, our audience can really understand it. How much of a role do you think a lot of those, you know, different pieces of content and, and personalization, all the things that you're, you're focusing on?
1: Yeah, it's really about that journey to purchase. And I think, you know, particularly our audience is going to take, you know, whatever it is, a standard, I've heard this stat of like 50 odd touch points on the journey to purchase bandied around, I'm sure for our audience, it's probably higher. And the thing that gets them through the door at the first time is that content, and particularly seeing Trisha and seeing our customer sees herself reflected back, and you know, this is not some... 30 year old trying to sell me you know anti-aging moisturizer this is somebody who looks like me and sounds like me and has the same challenges as I do and then bringing them closer and closer on the journey to purchase as they get real value out of our brand that that might be watching Trisha's videos on YouTube or that might be engaging with our social community or you know any of those things it might even be here hearing Trisha talk about you know kind of what retirement communities um, should look like for example like women come to our brand from all kinds of different places but the the first touch point is normally some kind of content and then as they get kind of as they get to know us and trust us and believe that we know what we're talking about then they're ready to make a purchase
0: love that um you gave a little tidbit there too, which was an interesting one, was creating engaging content that may or may not be anything that what has the, the brand has to do with anything the product is, right? But it's engaging content that your target audience is going to want to <laughs> absorb and, and consume, right? I feel like that's a, a little tidbit that you just kind of threw in there that I feel like is a very interesting one.
1: Yeah, and I think it is that having a brand that stands for something is easier to then kind of have those opinions on much wider issues, which then bring in a much wider audience that, you know, we have customers who don't necessarily wear a lot of makeup. That that, And I think that's one of the most interesting things about our brand is um, in 2020, lipstick sales like dropped off a cliff that, you know, kind of like, why would you wear lipstick? For us, they went up. And part of that was that Trisha's message to our community is that um, we wear makeup for ourselves. We're not wearing it for the outside world. We're looking for when I look in the mirror, I see myself and I see, you know, a confident older woman and, you know, those kind of things. And that comes from makeup and you're doing it for yourself rather than for other people. So that's why our lipstick sales did really well in 2020.
0: Look good, feel good, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, love that. So curious, just what would you, I mean, you're accomplishing a lot, you're managing a lot, and you've got a very important role at the company. Curious, what, what, what would you consider to be your biggest success so far? Could be more than one, but
1: yeah, any specific breakthroughs or? I think for me, it's always nice to be right. <laughs> and when I joined the company, <laughs> the thing I said is, we need to get our conversion rate up. That's what what's holding us back from growing is like not just if we doubled our conversion, we would double our revenue, obviously, but actually it would make new customer acquisition much more cost effective and we would be able to scale faster. So I was like, this is the thing. And for me, my hypothesis was the things that we needed to do was to provide more personalized experiences. Because we were trying to do a kind of one size fits all, had the homepage just like stuffed with something for everyone. We said, look, if you're a first time customer, you need to understand, you know how our products work, what Trisha's story is, why we exist. Um, and we really need to do that kind of storytelling piece. Whereas if you're a returning visitor, you already know Trisha, you know already know those things. You want to get into products, You probably want to get different types of product because, you know, you're probably buying skincare from us instead as well as makeup. But if you're a first time visitor, you're more likely to buy makeup from us. And so all of these things and saying, actually, do you know what? Let's provide more personalized experiences let's provide more personalized advice particularly as you mentioned the color quiz saying how do i decide what color lipstick is going to suit me and that's really you know when you can't go into a store and and try it on the back of your hand it's really hard to tell and saying actually let's develop something that that looks at the data that our customers have and says things like you know what colors dominate your wardrobe um does gold or silver jewelry suit you better in your opinion and things like what color do the veins in your wrist appear that um, actually for a lot of people they'll appear more kind of bluey or purpley and for other people they appear more kind of greenish and that's actually a key indicator and the sort of colors that is going to suit you so we take all that data from the customer and then we say to her uh, you know are you looking for you know are you looking for a lipstick because you're going to the supermarket are you looking for a lipstick because you've got like a fancy light out then again we're going to recommend something different and kind of all of those things that say do you know what recognizing each customer is different and needs a different experience and different recommendations and all of those things and yeah we have more than doubled that conversion rate as a result. So that's really, really good news.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Doubling your conversion rates, very impressive. Um, but you, you, we talked about a bunch of it, really interesting things that you've been doing, you know, on the conversion rate side and the marketing side, a lot of success you've had even, you know, prior to, um, we were talking earlier. Curious, just like, what are some of like, the, maybe the two or three of the biggest growth levers that you've, you've pulled for the business?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, for me, I'm an absolute passionate advocate for uh, social, for paid social as an acquisition tool. And um, here in the UK, there's a, a group that um, collects data from UK e-commerce retailers. And they have this stat that on average, UK e-commerce re- retailers are generating less than 1% of their revenue from social. And I'm like, what are you doing that you're not, you're not driving more revenue than social? So that that for me was a big thing, and I think joining the business and we were a social first business. You know, Trisha's YouTube channel is huge. We have thousands of subscribers. We have millions of views. You know, all of these things. You know, the Facebook channel's been there from day one, but the business hadn't necessarily cracked it. I And mean, like coming in with that test and learn, and particularly. I'm a real advocate for that kind of full funnel marketing. And I think the industry is catching up to, you know, I was out at conferences, you know, four or five years ago, banging the drum for, you know, what is not just about bottom of funnel. You've got to to attract a pool of people who know your brand and are interested in it in order to be able to convert them. And that's where like really rapid growth comes from. You've got to fill the top of the funnel and convert at the, the bottom of the funnel. And I think that's the thing for me that I think businesses who are doing really well with paid social are doing that. They're looking at like, how do you take people on that journey from the first time they've heard of your brand to the point that they're gonna make the purchase and they're making repeat purchase and all of those things.
0: And, and paying close attention to probably where those first touch points are and then what that customer journey looks like, because I'm sure someone coming from some organic YouTube videos first, Versus a Facebook ad first, and reading a blog article, or or getting some of your content, or you know signing up for you know your hundred dollars off, uh, or your you know win a hundred dollars and and things like that it must be very different customer journeys that then you probably are paying close attention to. Like okay, like you said, how many touch points do I need to get in front of this person? Um, yeah, how do I impact the conversion rate of of each of those different people?
1: Yeah, and I think as well, also like still testing and like having that hypothesis and being like, well, do you know what? This creative works really well over here. Let's just try it with that audience. And sometimes there've been things that have surprised us that you would say, oh, I didn't think the customer who had seen that particular video would have then come in this particular route, but sometimes they do and, and sort of try not to be what's there's a phrase about you know if you go in um to a conversation assuming that you're right then you're not going to change your mind you're not going to learn anything
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yep yeah love to test don't don't take you know you can use assumptions to run tests that's totally fine but don't not test or try something completely random or, or unique because you have assumptions yeah I feel like that that's super key and and love that the, the full funnel, the multi-channel, um, not being afraid to test, paying close attention to conversion rate, trying to increase conversion rate, uh, all very key things, um, which which I'm super glad to hear. Um, and yeah, pushing to our audience so that they, they are paying close attention to those things. Uh, but of course, some mistakes happen along the way. So I'm curious, yeah, maybe what are some mistakes that you have made and maybe some missteps that have happened, you know, maybe test from testing or assumptions or or anything in between.
1: I remember interviewing for a role a couple of years ago and somebody said, um, what's the biggest mistake you've made in your career? And I was like, I've never made any mistakes in my career. And the thing (laughs) is, is like, uh, obviously I have done things that have not worked, but I really have this mindset of, do you know what, if you tried something and you, and it didn't work, you've learned something that's like massively valuable information. So I have this mindset that there's no such thing as a as a mistake um like for example one of the things that we just um a b tested was um there's theory that says that rounded buttons perform better than buttons with square edges because we have this kind of subliminal thing that you know sharp things signify danger and what have you so i was like oh i'd be really interested to to test that particularly because our brand maybe those hard edges don't feel like they fit with our brand, so I'd be really interested to kind of A-B test that and see what difference it makes. Um, What came back from that was that for desktop, it was kind of about even, that both shapes kind of performed the same. But on mobile, the rounded edges performed worse. And so the hypothesis that I then kind of came out from there was because we were A-B testing it, essentially we were kind of filing off the edges Um, So what we were doing was we're making the button just slightly smaller. So from a motor skills point of view, you're making it slightly harder to click on from a mobile perspective. And that is the theory of why that test didn't work. And actually, what we should be testing is bigger buttons first and then looking at the shape of the button. So technically, yeah, that was a mistake in the sense it didn't work, but we've now got an even better, more valuable test to run as a result of it. So I don't think there's anything, any such thing as mistakes. There's only really, really valuable learnings. And I want to work in an environment where every day people think, well, let's try it. Let's see. Let's know.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And that's, that's a key i think right if if you're not able to make yeah we should come up with a different name for it but if you're not if you're not able to come up with those mistakes right if you're not able to to test and then i mean that's how we look at conversion rate optimization at fashion funnel right is 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 yeah if if the test didn't result in a positive impact whatever you know metric we were trying to improve that's totally okay because now we have data that exactly like you said, either that doesn't work or maybe there's a better optimization we could make or some learnings from that. Um, but love that you're also saying, you know, the, the differentiation as well that you need to be paying close attention to desktop versus mobile. Um, and I'm sure you have a large audience that that is on tablets as well, which I feel like a lot of people don't pay attention to as much anymore. They're sort of like, oh, the phones have gotten bigger. iPad is such a small amount of, of, of viewers. But I feel like most of the family and women in my life that are of, of older age, if they're retired, they're pretty much surfing the web and doing everything on an iPad. They're not, you know, they're they're sort of like don't want the computer because it feels clunky and, and it's not as convenient for them. Um, so yeah, it makes it really interesting, even more important to what you're saying, because yeah, you're going to use your finger to interact with that. Um, and it's frustrating for, for anyone. If you're trying to click something and it doesn't work. <laughs> Forget someone who's older and is going to have less patience or more patience—you never know. Um, but yeah, love that. Love that you're paying attention to that. And and uh, no, that's awesome. So I mean, curious. I know you're paying a ton of attention to conversion rate. Um, I guess what you know, how are you looking at AB testing or, or, you know, how are you doing that sort of, how are you coming up with some of your, your tests and, and things like that? I love to talk about CRO on the podcast and have anybody sort of learn from it. And you have a, a very impressive skill set as it relates to that. So I'm, I'm curious, yeah, what insights you could, you have for, for a listener base.
1: Yeah. So I think, um, so I joined the business not quite two years ago and when I came in I was like do you know what there are a lot of things like personalization like the color quiz that I just think that we need to do you know that I I, yeah we could test it but it'll just delay us and it feels like the right thing to do so for about 18 months it was like do you know what this is the roadmap we need to in in improve our product landing pages we need to improve our homepage experience we need to do x y and z we think that we need to do that so it wasn't until actually December just gone that we we're like, okay, now we're ready to get into that subtle granularity of, you know, what is the, what is the color of the button? What's the shape of the button? What does it say? What's the font size, all of those things. So it's actually only now we've been getting into, um, AB testing and, um, we've just got like this, this huge list of things that we want to try and we want to um, we want to understand. And and I think for us it's saying, do you know what? We can test this element of the product page, we can test this element of the home page, we can do, do this element of the menu, and those kind of three things can can run concurrently because they're not actually kind of touching the same point and we can kind of accelerate our learnings. And I think we've been really surprised with the things that have worked really quickly were not necessarily top of our list of things that we thought that were going to make a difference. Like one of the things that we just tested that did like really well in like days, we could see that it was a winner, was to do with kind of condensing some of the menu options that we display once you're in the basket and just kind of actually kind of condensing it to kind of give more focus in the basket. And that was just like instantly like, yeah, you should do this. You should roll, roll this out. And other things like the button shape is like, oh, no, that didn't work in the way that you thought it would. And, and, you know, that's what I love about A-B testing. And I think, like I've always said, I love performance marketing because you can always drive more traffic from your marketing, better quality traffic, convert more of it and increase your lifetime value. And all four of those things have infinite potential. So just every day you get to try something new and something different and you learn something and you're a... You know, smarter. You know, wiser person. Every day is just the the most incredible thing. Incredible place to work, and I I love my career, and I love the company I work for. So I feel genuinely blessed.
0: That's awesome, and and you are empowered uh, to make yeah to make those decisions, make those um learnings those learnings right that we talked about not mistakes um yeah which is which is great right that's a lot of founders and marketers i I feel like are are um penalized if it doesn't have a positive impact right if if that cro test or a b test doesn't doesn't amount to more add to carts or more purchases um so that's great to hear that that you're yeah you're in a position where like hey we're hundred (laughs) percent.
1: Yeah. And I think part of that is like having a lot of things on the go at the same time, not having all your eggs in one basket, understanding, you know, what is the, you know, minimum viable product? What is the smallest version of this test that we can run that, you know, if you are continuously evolving, then it's less of a thing of, oh, let's try this. It's like, well, we're testing stuff all the time and, you know, half of it works and half of it doesn't. And you know, we, one of the things that we just tested that didn't work at all, and we were really surprised was um, online consultations, that there has been huge within the beauty industry. And like, so many brands are saying, Oh, it's worked so well for us. And we just couldn't get traction on it. And talking to our customers, they're just like, Yeah, I don't want to talk to someone over video. I want to talk to somebody in person and it's like well you know what fair enough that's our customer base and you know those kind of things but I think just because we had that wasn't the only kind of card we're playing I'm like I'm always like you know the thing about you just have so many bets in play that you know some of them are going to come off and some of them don't and as long as you're not spending stupid money on too many of them then you know it's worth it
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Love that. Uh, So curious, what role is is creative and content going to play for the business in 2022?
1: Yeah, I mean, for us, the both of those things are absolutely crucial. That um, one of the things that we started doing when I joined the business is a quarterly customer survey. And one of the things that we ask now every quarter is basically, are there any products or techniques that you would like to see us demonstrate for you and it's just absolute gold it sh- it tells us two things one it tells us what new content we should be creating but it's also hugely valuable for do you know what people still want to hear about eye makeup people always want to hear about our brow product and as a marketeer often you think like I've talked about this people must be sick of it so actually having your customers reflect back no we want to hear more about that is just massively valuable so that is is huge and just seeing what works and what doesn't again having so many bets in play we had a video last year kind of tailored last year and it was just like one of many many videos that we produce that is it's just how to do your makeup in five minutes We had over a million organic views on Facebook of that video. Wow. It's just, it's, it's insane. We have had um, over a million views on YouTube. You know, it's just the thing that, you know, actually if you keep creating enough stuff, you're going to one day find the thing that, you know, that resonates with your audience and resonates like beyond your audience. And that's the, great thing with the algorithms is when you find something that people love they run with it we were looking at our youtube stats last last month and like over half of our, our views were um from suggested videos that you know kind of that people were watching other stuff and our videos were being suggested and we'd never seen a stat like that before but you just keep trying you keep doing it and you find the thing that resonates and then you learn from it and you know you keep going
0: yeah, and I feel like that organic content, like the eighty twenty rule happens so much. I mean, you know, I used to work with Larry Kim, which his you know thing was finding those unicorn right blog articles and, and things like that, right? Where yeah, it's like that twenty percent of the content, eighty percent of the views, eighty percent of the traffic. But like you said, you, you you get that hit, and then it just takes off, and and probably produces a great customer as well because your the educational content is is great. I mean, and, and yeah, obviously you're going to be using your makeup in that
1: tutorial.
0: Uh, yeah. Going through all of
1: that. And that long tail stuff is incredible as well. We've got like, we've got web pages that we've like, okay, you know, this is a specific issue. Like, you know, say hooded eyes. I mean, to be fair, hooded, hooded eyes gets quite a lot of traffic that we've got some pages like that, that get like a hundred percent conversion rate. <laughs> you know, do you know what? We get like five visitors, but the people who visit that page are like, wow, this is exactly what I want. I'm going to gonna buy. So, you know, yeah, those like high traffic things, those viral things are amazing. But actually investing in the right thing in the long tail is also incredibly profitable.
0: Love that. That's amazing. So I'm curious, because before we were talking, you let me know that you were in a very unique position when you first started where actually social was off and almost all of your ads were off. And so you were in this, this really unique position to really find out what the impact of each channel was. And when you pulled those levers, what happened? And so I'm sure you saw what that return was, what the tracked return in the platform was versus you know actually on the website. And so I'm curious sort of how you saw that Transition, but then now sort of post iOS updates, um, which I'm sure. Again, we were talking about. I- I'm assuming that your target, a lot of your target audience, is on iPads and and maybe on some iPhone, a lot of iPhones and things like that. Uh, and you said you're paying close attention to mobile, so yeah, I'm curious how that you know how iOS sort of affected. The business how you've sort of seen that conversion rate and the impact and the return and maybe how you've been able to pay close attention to that because you were in that unique position before knowing the positive impact social had and then sort of what it looks like that landscape now
1: yeah it's been interesting times and i think we were very very lucky that we'd had that period of time where it was off and we can say "I actually do you know what that's incrementality and you know my like my whole career working in paid social, you've always got like, what does Facebook say? What does Google Analytics say? What does third party attribution models say? And they all say something something different. So it's about looking at a range of metrics and saying, where do I see a difference? What did I change and what impact has that had? So for example, um, last summer, we started advertising on YouTube. And YouTube is notorious that nobody clicks on a YouTube ad. I mean, why would you click on a YouTube ad? Because you've gone to YouTube to watch another video. You're not going to click on an ad. Um, (laughs) So we started running YouTube ads and we saw at the same time a big uptick in our YouTube channel views and we saw a big uptick in our new customer revenue. So we were able to put together a hypothesis that said, do you know what, when we run ads on YouTube, we get more people searching for our brands on YouTube, they then watch our videos and then they go on to make a purchase. And, you know, that was a, you know, we could see those data points. And I think in the best businesses that I've worked in at Look Fabulous Forever, at Birchbox was exactly the same. They had this democratization of data. And that actually, the availability of all the different data points, and not people saying, "Oh, you know, this is my data; you can't see it. I'm not going to share it." It means that you can see all these different impacts happening at different, in different places, and kind of follow them through. And I think, I mean, I'm lucky because I came from a maths and stats background, and I, I've always had this weird kind of hybrid why I got into marketing of maths and stats and the arts. And I think that's actually where, you know, particularly performance marketing is really exciting because it is about the numbers and being able to see patterns. But then at Birchbox, they used to have this value they call grounded inspiration. And the idea is like, if you really know your data and your customer, you come up with the most brilliant ideas. And that's that's what I think data does. It makes you think about okay, what does that tell me and what would I do creatively as a result of that information?
0: Very, very interesting way to think about it. And yeah, love love the democratization of data. Um, yeah, sharing that, you know, irrespective of, yeah, anyone's know-how or, or anything like that. I mean, that that's awesome. Um, so curious... What excites you the most in the year ahead, whether it's in the e-com industry or within your own marketing?
1: Yeah, so we certainly look fabulous forever. We've got some exciting, um, exciting tech products that I've got my eye on that I'm always like, can I drive incremental revenue by, you know, doing something better? Like I'm working on search at the moment, particularly at the moment, you can't search content on our website, which is like a huge opportunity for us. So making that content search a delightful experience. It's clearly a massive um, opportunity. But I think more widely in marketing, what I really wanna see, and I don't know if it's gonna be this year, but I, I really think and hope that it will come, is just this fight at the moment between privacy and personalization. That And it's so politicized that whether it's Apple or Facebook or what the kind of regulations say, and customers are not educated enough about how to make a decision and i feel like you know legislation isn't fit for purposes it is genuinely trying to help consumers but it's actually making it worse because like we all just go on websites and just like just make the cookie banner go away it's not it's not in anyone's interest and i hope that we're we can start moving to something where we start to talk to consumers and say look you do have to understand this stuff and make a decision that it's not necessarily in your interest. Like, do you really not want any kind of targeted ads or personalization, you know, but let it be in your interest and let you know how to control your preferences and, you know, say no to, you know, it's like, no, I don't want to see that company on Facebook. I, you know, how do I make sure that I don't see them again? And those kind of things. So I think there is a wider piece within the industry about educating the consumer so they can make informed decisions because legislation is not cutting it it's just
0: annoying people yeah they're they're probably more uneducated on the subject than than most right yeah and i think that's a very interesting one uh i feel like every time I go to hang out with a friend or family member or whomever, and i see them on an iPhone, I sort of ask them right away, did, did you click the, what did you click on Instagram? <laughs> you know, did you say to, to block, you know, to, to, to have it personalized or not? None of them ever remember what they selected, ever. I asked them if you were presented with this, which one would you choose? They always say I would oh I I want it blocked. I asked them how many things they've potentially purchased from Facebook or Instagram or anywhere. They say a lot. I say, did you were you, you know, upset about those purchases or do you regret them? No. And then I go, let me open your YouTube up really quickly. And they open their YouTube and I'm like, what about this video? What about this Do you want to watch all these videos? They're like, yeah, absolutely. I go, okay, let's open YouTube in an incognito tab really quickly. Do you want to watch any of these videos? (laughs) like no i'm not interested in that at all so it's like the the, my perfect example to show people like come on like yeah i understand there should be privacy we should have a lot of these things that very important i'm glad we're paying attention to it and and it is important um but at the end of the day like you're just a number on a server that no one's paying attention
1: yeah nobody really cares that much about what you're what you're doing and and you know do you know what say staying safe online is really important and you know certainly yep. in the UK we've got huge um scams particularly around um delivery messaging and people having their entire bank accounts wiped out that you know this stuff yep. is important but we're not educating people enough about how they actually make a decision and, and it is just you know it's like you know Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. We're just thinking fast. We're just like, just make it go away. Just sort it. You know, we're not actually engaging the brain that says, what is this and what decision should I make?
0: Yep. Yeah, you got it. Um, So curious, what advice would you give other marketers that are maybe trying to break some ceiling? 5 million, 10 million, 20 million revenue marks. Yeah. What advice would you give them?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, my number one thing is that full funnel thing. That, you know, it's so easy to say, I don't have the money to invest in top of funnel. Just being like, I know that that bottom of a funnel, it drives revenue, I can see it. And it's just about ring fencing, even a small amount and just being like, do you know what? I'm going to say $10 a day, you know, I'm going to put into, you know, I'm going to try whether it's, you know, brand awareness or reach or traffic, you know, try one of those top of funnel things and see what impact does that have? And it's like, for for us, like one of our like top Facebook audiences is the people that we've been reaching with our top of funnel um, advertising. We put them in a pool and we retarget those people, not just the people who visited our website. That does incredibly well for us. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, what is the kind of the easiest version that I can do, as I always say to people who aren't doing um, paid social, and then if they're doing like, you know, Google Shopping and the things, you've got a feed already, just have a, you know, just retarget the people who are visiting your website. You know, Facebook have minimum ROAS now. You can, you don't even have to say, oh, I'm gonna spend hundred pounds. You can say, only give me customers who, you know, where you can, you know, it's, you can generate five times more than I'm spending. Like, why would you not? That's free money. <laughs>
0: yep yeah you got it and uh yeah i feel like if you're not running dynamic ads you're you're, yeah missing a big opportunity and and even testing that on top of funnel as well has been an interesting one that that we've found like some some brands that we assume running catalog ads top of funnel you know won't do well and then it does super well and then vice versa sometimes we think it's 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 going to do super well and it it doesn't do well yeah i would say Um, do you know
1: what the the top of funnel Catalog ads are probably our number one revenue driver.
0: Wow. Super interesting. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, in the feed, it's clearly a product, right? And it's, and so you can skip it easier, but you can also pay attention to it. Like we see that in the, in the fashion industry time and time again, you see a good looking person in a beautiful dress or, or outfit You might skip past that faster than you may pay attention to, but if you see a pretty dress on a white background, you're like, oh, this is a product that's being marketed (laughs) to me.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I've always found with that kind of paid social stuff, you don't want it to look too polished. That actually, do you know what? If it's something that looks natural in your feed, like something a friend would have posted, you're way more likely to engage with it than something that looks like an ad.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um I feel like we'd be remiss not to talk about uh, before we were before we, we hit record, we were kind of talking about the, what you've done sort of with COVID and, and building community and, and also would love for you to kind of touch on the, the aspect of, of your target demographic and actually how important they are as a buying power. Um, yeah, I would love for you to, to touch on those two points.
1: Yeah, so we, um, uh, when the UK went into first lockdown in 20, 2020, um, Trisha realised that our audience were disproportionately affected, that most of our base are retired. So their entire lives revolved around whether it was family or grandchildren or charity work or meeting friends for lunch or coffee. All of that stuff just went away overnight and she felt inc- incredibly isolated and she recognised that our customer base probably did too. So she said, you know what, I'm going to start a private Facebook group and just invite our customers and see if they would like to just come and um, just hang out with other women who are facing the same challenges as they are. And it's just been the most incredible thing that the outpouring of love um, every day is so life affirming that these are women who most of them would feel very uncomfortable posting a selfie on social media but they know if they put something up that they will be surrounded by other women who knew how difficult it was for them to do it there will be this massive outpouring of love we did um we've just run a competition actually um and it was around like self-esteem and kind of what boosts your self-esteem and some of the stories that came out of those women are saying you know i don't think i've ever had any self-esteem and it's just like it's heartbreaking but to see the community kind of reach back and say you know what you know you absolutely have achieved incredible things in your in your life and you know that you probably don't recognize how valuable you are and just it's just beautiful and i think that kind of ties in as you touched on to the kind of wider ethos of the brand that we don't just want to sell skincare and makeup that we want to Um, help our customers understand how to look better but also to make them feel empowered and that you know that they do put this you know they do put makeup on for themselves that you know this is part of their um who they are and the face that they project to the world and that, that you know trisha really believes that um She wants to challenge those stereotypes of older women in society and representation and kind of all of those things. And, you know, the message that I would give to brands is if you just think that it's all about millennials and Gen Z, you are really missing a trick that over 65s are the fastest growing market in e-commerce. They have huge levels of disposable um, income, you know, all of these things that just think about, what you could be saying to these things, to these people, and I believe passionately as a marketer that for many, many years um, brands have aspired to be exclusive. That this that's been the highest kind of mark of a brand. If you're exclusive, whereas now actually I think being inclusive and saying, do you know what? I want to be a place where my customers feel like they belong, that they are welcome, that they are valued, that they are important. That's going to bring you much, much more brand loyalty than you know. Oh, it's sold out. Oh, you know, you can't come in. Oh, you know, all of those things that come with exclusivity. I know. Like, let's be inclusive to our customers. Let's be warm and welcoming and make them feel that they're important because they they are. They are their reason we exist. I
0: love that and. Yeah. Empowering all of those women. Yeah. Making a difference. I mean, you said it earlier, have a brand that stands for something. Um, Yeah. And love that. Love that inclusive, uh, not exclusive component. I think you're right. Right. It's it's yeah. Brands want to seek out being, you know, a Louis Vuitton and being sold out, you know, Lululemon sold out the second a new drop hits. But yeah, but they're definitely could be missing out on on huge opportunities and building that community, empowering your audience, paying close attention to them. I mean, selfishly, I'm sure in that community in the Facebook group, you're probably getting these lessons and learnings, you know, of how to speak to your customer that are worth a hundred times more, you know, that you know, of course, all the you know there's a bunch of benefits that are happening in the community outside of that but selfishly I'm sure that's just such a a huge opportunity for you to understand yeah how how should I talk with them yeah why are we you know maybe we're talking about self-esteem in the wrong way you know maybe we're not talking about it in the right way um that's so unique to to find those opportunities to reword things um yeah I love that
1: yeah I'm like literally I've got the next the next week or so I've got like 10 hours of interviews with our, our private Facebook group um, community booked in because I've got a new business idea and I want to know what they think about it. It's like, well, you know what? I've got the perfect audience. I'm going to ask them, what do you think? What do I, am I, am I onto something? Am I wrong? Am I right? You know, just having that base to just ask the question is incredible.
0: Yeah. And you're going to get responses that you would never get from a survey that you'd never, you know, even if you gave them a huge gift card <laughs> in return i mean that's gonna be gold that's amazing well janice i i appreciate the time i feel like you've given our audience a, a bunch of gold nuggets here um i guess in closing any any last uh things that you'd love to to mention or, or
1: touch on i think it is just that thing around inclusion and just think about who your customer could be and it so many benefits come come back that if you think about accessibility isn't something that is a a barrier and a kind of drain on us it's it's an opportunity for us that you know putting subtitles on video, it helps people who are listening, who are watching with the sound off, as well as people who are hard of hearing. That um, That if you're making your buttons bigger and easier to click on, yes, that helps people with motor skills and issues around that, but it also helps someone who's holding a baby and trying to navigate your website at the same time. That actually just being more inclusive is better for everyone and not just a specific group.
0: Love that. And uh, yeah, I encourage anybody who has an older face or has someone who's got an older face in their life. Check out Look Fabulous Forever. It's lookfabulousforever.com. They've got international delivery. So je- definitely check them out no matter where you're located. Janice, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Samir el Kamuni here. Thank you so much for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful brand that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, please visit go.ecomgrowthleaders.com slash podcast guest. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. Ecom Growth Leaders is sponsored by Fetch & Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. We've partnered with 100-plus brands and generated over $500 for clients using our trademarked Fetch & Funnel method. We have tons of content over at our blog, FetchFunnel.com slash blog and also some amazing eBooks like How to Crush Your Competitors and How to Produce High Converting Creative. Thanks again for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and it means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, fetchfunnel.com or follow us on social. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.